um, what we're really talking about is a reset, right? There are a number of studies that are showing up right now relative to COVID-19 and this pandemic that, that is true that scientists are saying there's a reset on air because we're in our homes, communities that have smog and, uh, and, 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 and issues with the air, the air is cleaner. There are a number of studies that are talking about there's a reset on water, that water is actually showing up cleaner. And I will tell you that people are talking about the fact that animals are thriving. I know it for a fact if I go in my backyard that I'm seeing animals and birds and all this other kind of stuff that I didn't see before. And even when I go out for my walks or my jog, there are several animals showing up. We have fox that are showing up in the area. I've never seen a fox in this area, not like that. Um, and so there's a reset on water, air, and animals. My question is, what's the reset on our humanity? And are we willing to really take this moment in time to do a, to do a true reset, to see each other's humanity and do something about any injustices that have been, uh, that people have felt to really connect with each other in a way that is authentic, genuine, and truly for the betterment of all. I think that's the moment in time we're in. Are we really to step in and do the real reset and own everything that has brought us to this point? Thank you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Di Lee. And today I've got a wonderful friend who I met through uh, a few years ago in his work in diversity and inclusion, Bart Bailey. Uh, Bart uh, is a consultant, a facilitator in the um, diversity, access and equity space, but who, who's got a keen interest on humanity and belonging. So um, welcome t uh, to Dawncast, Bart. How are you? I'm well, Di. How are you? Good, good. How has yeah. uh, how have you managed during this COVID nineteen lockdown period? Yeah, there's been a lot going on, you know, and it's interesting. You know, it's always one of those things where someone says, "How are you? How are you?" And you know, we do the pleasantries. Now, I, you kind of know me a little bit, so I, I tend to be more open, right? Yeah. And so the the real answer is, I am in a healthy space and I'm well. I wouldn't say good, right? And so I, I have actually been, I, I, I sometimes say the ripple effect of COVID. Um, so I've been impacted by that. Yes, I, I understand. I'm so sorry. Kit. I, I believe your father passed away as a result of COVID-19. Is that right? Yeah. So um, May 4th, he was in a, in a, in a nursing home uh, for elders, uh, had, you know, there was some concern around dementia and some th things like that. He had been there for a couple of years and um, contracted it at some point in time, uh, went to the hospital uh, Thursday and Friday kind of thing, was uh, uh, intubated and um, tested positive for COVID. And once he got on the, the respirator, he, he did not come off. And so May 4th, which was a Monday, he passed. Now, I don't get it in terms of uh, people being in uh, nursing homes or places like your father 
how do they catch COVID? Is that through the other elderly or ill uh, patients or is it through people working there, nurses and staff there that brought COVID-19 in? Yeah, so in this particular facility, what we understand is the first person who tested positive was their activities director. And so this is support staff. And so the activities director who is in and out and their job is to meet with a bunch of people tested positive. Now, once she they knew, then they quarantined her. But at that point, uh, that was probably three weeks prior to him passing. I do remember uh, like... Uh, April 29th, there were 26 people that tested positive and that's staff and residents. So I would say over a three to four week period, period from that first person, they went to 26 kind of quickly. Wow. Within the same facility? Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you see that. And so uh, he was in Rockville, Maryland, and that's uh, an area that uh, I'm I don't know how to equate it, but it's it's like a suburb of Sydney, right? It's a it's a it's a well-off area. I'll just say that, um, and um, you know, people are in and out, and so uh, they don't. The folks that don't stay there are doing their normal thing. Now, this is before we got to the point of saying, make sure you wear your mask, make sure you do social distancing, and all that. So, I'm sure that that person was just doing their normal routine, contracted it, and then went to work. Um, and then it kind of spread kind of quickly, you know, how old was your father? So my father had celebrated his 80th birthday on March 27th. And even then, uh, there were some things going on. And so we could not actually go see him, but we were able to do something similar to this. We use Skype and, uh, and was able to sing happy birthday to him. Uh, he was smiling and I, I should have recorded it, but I took a picture of it. And it was actually a really, really um, special thing. Uh, I ordered a, a cheesecake from some place that he that he likes in New York, and and it was it was they delivered it, and so it was really good. Uh, the Cheesecake yeah. Factory. Well, so so it's, this place is a little better than Cheesecake Factory. It's oh, okay. a place called. <laughs> so, <laughs> place, it, it, place called Juniors Juniors in Brooklyn. Um, but did he actually pass away? as a result of COVID-19, or did he have other ailments that COVID-19 really just pushed him across the border or across the line? Yeah, so he, he had pre-existing conditions, right? And so um, when you start to look at some of the studies and you look start to look at just the percentage of people that, that, that end up passing, uh, typically there's some other pre-existing conditions. So he had high blood pressure, uh, he in the whole thing where, where we realized that something wasn't right, he was actually supposed to be uh, performing a, di- a dialysis and they had some complications with that being done. And so uh, between high blood pressure, dialysis and his age at, at, you know, 80 years old, you know, there were there were other mitigating factors. And so I say that, um, you know, as we look at some of the data, there's something that was done April 11th in The New York Times. Um, that started to touch on some of the disparities and how it breaks out with race um, and, 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 and people who are passing. And so I'll, I'll, I'll share a few things with you. Yeah, right? and that's they, interesting. I mean, the concept of disparity in this COVID-19 uh, you know, period, what does that mean? Right. So, 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 so just some data, and this is a while ago, and it's, it's, it's still it's, um, uh, 
the CDC put out some stuff recently or NPR with NPR, they put out some stuff recently, but back then some of the data was, so the, the state of Louisiana, right? Uh, African-Americans make up 32% of the population yet 70% of COVID-19 deaths. 70, Another, seven, zero, seven, 70, seven, zero, seven, zero of the deaths, right? And then Illinois, 15% of the population, 42% of the COVID-19 deaths, Michigan, 14% of the population for African-Americans, but 40% of the COVID-19 deaths. And then Chicago, 30% of the population, 72, 72% of the COVID-19 deaths. And so when you look at the data, right, you're like, well, how is that possible? Right. And so you get into disparities and there's different layers to that. Uh, one is pre-existing conditions. And, and then you start saying, well, how do we get to pre-existing conditions? Some of it is lifestyle. Some of it is access to food. So, it, it, you know, similar to when you took me to, what was it, Carabatta? Cabramatta. Cabramatta in right. yes, Sydney Southwest. Right. So think about that whole travel, right? And in certain areas, how close is a grocery store, right? And so for some of these communities, the grocery store isn't right around the corner. It's you got to have a car to get there or whatever. Um, you know, but here where I'm at, where I live, there's three grocery stores within, I could walk to them, right? And I'm talking big, large grocery stores, but some communities, they have deserts we call them food, you know, food deserts rather. And so you have to travel a different distance to get healthy uh, food. So it could be food, it could be education. And, and uh, there, so there are a number of things that contribute to those health conditions, Right. And some of those have been generational in, in, in the communities where we live or, you know, so there's just a lot of stuff to it. But the people that are, have been, according to the stats, a doubling of, you know, a percentage uh, and a double of the, the deaths in the African-American community. But what is that related to? Is that the fact that they're living in close proximity on top of one another uh, or is it uh, they're more older population in that community and therefore they're more susceptible to to d diseases and illnesses and COVID was just kind of pushed them again across the, the, the line. What are some of the factors rather than saying, okay, you know, we've got, uh, you know, 20% uh, uh, you know, African-American, but there are 40% of those have got COVID. What is that related to though? So, 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 uh, there's a doctor, there's two, actually, there's two doctors, they're twins, uh, Blackstock, uh, Uche and One, and they're here in the New York area. And Dr. Uche was talking about this, and she talks about social economic factors, right? And so it's job status, right? So if I'm a frontline worker and my job is about, you know, I, I, I drive the, the buses that are in the area, I drive the transit trains in the area. So I'm in contact with a lot of people. Uh, and so it could be the job, it could be family. It could be the fact that I live in a place where I can't really isolate. So now once I test positive, everybody else is gonna be you know, impacted by that. Um, support systems and income, right? In some, of, some communities, people left their area and they went someplace so that they could isolate. They're in green spaces. Uh, some of the more cities and urban, yeah, there is a little bit more close living with each other. And similar, like, like you have in Sydney as well. And then the physical environment, right? Just the physical environment itself contributes to that. Whether what I was talking about, whether green space or uh, spaces where you have more grass and open area. 
and then health factors, um, you know, diet, exercise, out, you know, all of that kind of stuff shows up too. But I would say it's it's you know even in areas where 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 I live that that's uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's not in the city, right? Um, the numbers are still disproportionate, um, and so it could be uh, there's some things around when we talk about implicit bias and all that in terms of healthcare, right? And so. There's been a number of studies that doctors may um, underprescribe because we there's a belief that this person has a higher pain tolerance, right? Based on their ethnicity and their background. Oh, they're okay. We don't need to prescribe this or that. And so those things show up too, right? How do you really see me and care for me as a human being uh, versus you know some of the other things that may be hindering our ability to really provide care? Could, could it also be that perhaps, I, I don't know, but only a doctor or some, some scientist could ex- explain is that our physio- physiological uh, makeup uh, may, could be that African Americans could be more susceptible to, to uh, an illness or a virus like COVID-19. Do you, do you think that could be the case to, sh- to explain the, the double uh, in terms of in the numbers of people being affected by uh, COVID nineteen in the states. No, I would I, I would say no, right? So that one right there, when you when you look at when you look from a, a an anatomy anatomy standpoint in the physiology of the, our bodies, we're over ninety nine percent or ninety five percent the same, right? It's all this other stuff that gets in the way. So that's not it. It's the pre existing condition. So of if I am, for whatever reason, uh, I may fall into the area of diabetes. I may fall into the area of hypertension. Those typically are related to the food I eat and my health habits, right? And income. I may may not have access to more healthier food. So I'm, you know, whatever it is I do. And and again, that's not across the board, but for some that shows up, right? We, you know, there's there's studies out there. There's an awesome organization that um, it's called First Year Cleveland in Ohio. In one particular county, uh, African-American women during given childbirth are four times as likely to die given childbirth as white women. Okay. And there's a number of stats that fall into that. And it's not about their body. It's about the care that's given, right? Prenatal care, all that kind of stuff. And so there's, there's, and so they are uh, uh, going after those things head on. And, and so it's a it's a healthcare, I would say, a group of people that are part of first year Cleveland that are really trying to uh, deal with those numbers. And, and years ago, they actually brought those numbers pretty close by being in the community versus having people come out of the community where they don't feel trusted. They don't feel like they're being seen. Right. Uh, you know, think about it. If you went someplace and, and you didn't feel like people saw you in your humanity, would you return? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, you know, yeah, and and if the health so, but the healthcare system in the states is it's also really um, challenging, isn't it? Because it's not free. No, <laughs> it's not free, <laughs> and so there there are a number of things around that. And so when I say that they got the numbers, that particular county got the numbers pretty aligned. Yes, yes. they were they were giving some care in the communities um, for. Uh, for a large range of people, whether you had insurance or not. And, and, and they started, because the care was so good, they started having everybody start to come there. And so the institutions, the large institutions said, wait a minute, 
Um, I don't know if we want that because they were taking business from them, right? Because you have and to have so, insurance, is that right? You have to have insurance to have a good care uh, and good access to health care in the United States. Is that correct? I would say yes. Yeah. So your health insurance is going to help you. There's there's other stuff that you can get. And that care is good. Uh, it's it's just different, right? I, I, I Because I've never been on any of that. And I do know some folks that have been and, you know, their experiences have been great. Um, but it is a different level of care. So do you have a health care insurance? I do, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of um, the people, I mean, the United States, uh, I haven't got the figure in front of me, but have experienced a lot of deaths as a result of COVID-19. Uh, are mm. you saying that a, a large proportion, and do you have the numbers to share with us uh, that the numbers of, of a large proportion of that are African-American? Yeah, so one of the things, and I was I was looking for that, uh, I printed it. Mm. So I would say uh, there are, if you go to NPR, NPR just recently put out some information about that. And right. um, and so I think we're at 100,000 deaths at, right now in the United States, uh, and they're trying to track this data, right? And so they're using census tracking, and um, they partnered with a, another institution that's really looking at that. And so some of the things that they're talking about out of 48 plus, uh, 48 states plus the Washington DC, there's a report of some data, right? That that talks about race and ethnicity. And so 90... Uh, so, so, there's, uh, so here yeah. I've got an NPR one whereby the cases in the United States is about 1, and uh, about 746. 1,746,000, yes. and the death is about 102 so far. About a, yes. Yep. Yep. So that's that's and then, the. But and how? Then keep looking because so that those are the, those are the, the people who have tested positive. The 102 are the number of deaths. Yes. Yep. And then when you, when you keep going into that study, it talks about uh, ethnicity is known for nearly ethnicity is known for nearly half of all cases and 90 percent of those deaths. And then it starts to really break it down into ethnicity background and, and 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 race and 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 it's disproportionately um based on the percentage of people in the population mm. is disproportionately high for african americans it's high for hispanics and latinos as well so is there a sense in the united states out of this whole covid-19 uh there's a sense of um uh unfairness, I don't know if it's the right word, but the community, the African community that are seeing more deaths than, say, the rest of the population, are they feeling like they're being neglected or that uh, not enough is being done for the community? So, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it the, how do I say this? Say it as uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the 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 inequities and, and the disparities are, are clearly being exposed. Okay, so you don't have to do a whole lot of studies to see it. If you're here in the states, if you pay attention to what's being shown on the, on the news, if you pay attention to any particular hospital, I volunteer at two children's hospitals, and and so they are gathering that data because because you go into the healthcare industry to help people, yeah. and at some point, and I know the two that I'm connected with, the one out here. They don't have as many cases. The other one is in New York. And that hospital, that institution 
is gathering the data, trying to find out what's happening. They're actually looking at the data going back towards uh, the disparities. Now, they're in the middle of all of this, so they can't really address the disparities right now, but they're gathering the data, right? And so it's clear to people um, See, what see, from, we from, do is yeah. a different ballgame. Yeah, it's different because I think uh, over here when you watch the news, the, the, the bodies that gets rolled out of these hospitals uh, or nursing uh, homes are often covered. Uh, yeah. So really you don't, you can't, you actually don't see uh, that the right. majority are, uh, as you're saying, are African-Americans that are being impacted. Uh, so it's interesting because I don't know. But, but obviously, uh, obvi- I, I mean, I don't know how we can actually now go down the, the path of the, the whole thing that's happening in the States at the moment, um, you know, with, with the, the death of um, oh, what's, uh, uh, what's George uh, Floyd. George, George Floyd. yeah, that's right, uh, Mr. Floyd. Uh, yeah. And and a young young woman, woman that filmed that, uh, I, I hear she's kind of got a bit of backlash, but the poor thing said that she, you know, what, what, she's 17, what else could she do? But what's your um, perspective on that? So uh, what, I'll, what I'll share with you, there are a couple things, right? And so we had the incident with Ahmaud Aubrey in Georgia. There was an incident with Brianna Taylor. I believe that was in Texas. We had an incident in Central Park uh, where a guy was minding his business. And that was after uh george floyd after so yeah the central park was afterwards i'm pretty sure and so you've had four different kind of incidents that have shown up but but the the protests are about the how um mr floyd was 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 dealt with right And, and killed and um and so there's a lot of discussion. Like I have people, I have friends that are in law enforcement. I have friends who, um, uh, you know, who are talking about protests and they have protested and they've been peaceful and they, you know, all of that. Um, so when you think about all the people that are out there, most are peaceful. Mm. Most are. Um, and so one that issue of being on someone's neck for eight, what was it, minutes or whatever it was, should have never happened. Yeah. Um, he was not uh, being aggressive. He was already handcuffed. Uh, yeah, that shouldn't happen. And so from your perspective, you've seen, I mean, you, you hear about it constantly, don't you? Um, how African Americans are are being dealt with, and um, and sometimes I I feel that um, it, this is just one case; it's not going to happen again. And then you another story said this is another in another isolated case is not going to happen again. Like so, you kind of trying to uh, kind of tell yourself that it's it's not the norm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But you living there and you, you know, being an African-American, what do you think? H- how do you feel about it when you hear and see another story like 
George Floyd. So, uh, and and as somebody who's who's so keenly focused on humanity and belonging. Right, right. So, so let's look at it this way. Um, I was, I was, I, don't, I was talking to someone else today. It was a, a faith-based organization, and we were having a conversation, and we touched on a little bit um, in the conversation. And I said, everything that you see, everything, is directly linked to fear. Is directly linked to the amygdala. Is directly linked to fight, flight, or freeze. And so I'll make it really plain for you. Um, you've met me, right? You've seen me. I'm not a tall person, five eleven, but I, I fill up some. I can fill up some space, right? Yes. And uh, I have been places without even saying a word, and know that other people feel threatened by my presence, right? And 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 that reaction may be based off of some previous behaviors, interactions with some other human being, or some story that they have about someone who looks like me. And so just imagine how that fear shows up, okay? And so it shows up for that person. It shows up for me because I can see the fear and I'm like, oh, here we go again, okay? And so there's, and, and now if you really want to back it up, uh, there's so much that's baked in from the from, you know, we talk about 400 years, 1619 is when slavery, you know, slaves started landing on the, what we what, what uh, people from the first nation called Turtle Island. Um, so uh, our friends here who've been here for longer than we have talk called it Turtle Island. But 1619 is when slaves were brought here. And and so think about whomever uh, with the belief that. Africans were less than them, okay? Yeah. And if you never have the conversation to repair and understand somebody else and truly see them, there's generations, that's 400 years of seeing somebody as different or less than. Now, I donate and give blood, right? Because I, I have always universal, nobody has said, I'm certain once they go there and they're laying in the hospital, well, where, where, who did this, who gave this, right? Because there's so much about our DNA that is exactly the same, but we get caught up on these differences. But what I will say is the incident, when I think about it, I'm not surprised. Do I believe it will be the last time? There's something different in the air this time. Why? There have been... There have been, I don't know, four days of protests, some riots, and, and, and organizations are starting to say, we need to have a conversation. That's Fortune 500 organizations, that's nonprofits, that's churches, faith-based organizations. Uh, the police departments are saying, we need to talk. And so some of that, uh, whether it's on the law enforcement side, starts at the academy, right? Yeah. And so- you know, they're trained to do certain things, but you need to do some other work around the human aspect. It, it, this morning I was discussing with, with uh, my husband about uh, what happened to George Floyd. And uh, we were just discussing in terms of the police or the law enforcement. Why do people choose to go into policing? 
Is it mm. to help? Uh, is it to ensure that law and order is is uh, is kept? Or there other motivation, which often is about the power. And what can law enforcement institutions around the world do today to really shift the mindset of those individuals joining the law enforcement sector? So, uh, and I think, you know, is it is it now the time to have that discussion? Is that it is about what is the best person for the job, you know, mm -hmm. to enforce a mm -hmm. law in a society like, I mean, in any society, but in a society like in the US, whereby race relation is still such a, till this day, it, it seems like, you know, still troublesome. Right. So, so my, oh my goodness, there's so much of that. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so I have a couple of friends uh, that we speak frequently. Okay. And they are in law enforcement. And I remember years ago, I had asked the question, I said, Hey, you know, he's African-American. I said, who typically is the best candidate, right? Not, not, uh, and it doesn't matter about race, just their, their background and experience. He said, Bart, to be honest with you, the people who turn out to be the best officers are people who were once CO. So, so, uh, uh, correction officers in 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 a prison because they've been in the prison system they've met the anybody the folks that are there they understand their background they understand them they know how to talk to people typically when they come into the law enforcement part of it they already know the language they know how to communicate with people they understand what it means to de-escalate a situation they said that sometimes, and this is this was his his perspective because he did he trained a lot of people. He was working at the at a, at a um, an academy. Sometimes there's a little bit more work when someone comes from a military background, because their training is handle the situation, right? Yeah. If they're if they're deployed anywhere else in the world, handle the situation. Now we do they do have some underlying values around people but at the end of the day once i once i'm locked and loaded you know i gotta do what i gotta do he said typically there's a little bit more work because the mindset is military and not necessarily not necessarily around de-escalation so just imagine if if I, I don't know some community you you've never been in that community before you go visit and you see some kind of behavior that you're like mm, i'm not sure if that's aggressive but it's something different. I don't know. You're, you're again going back to the amygdala. You have a couple choices. You can run, which is flight. You can fight. You can say, "Well, whatever's going to happen, I'm getting ready to tense up and get ready to fight." Or you can pause. You can freeze and say, "Well, you know what? Let me see what's happening here. Let me let me enter this space from a place of curiosity." So let's go back to law enforcement. If I grew up in an area that that I'm that is different from the area I'm policing and I see something different, how do I respond to it? Do I go back to flight? Well, I'm not going to do that because I've been trained and they do have the option to leave. That's part of law enforcement. Do I go into a uh, fight? Now I might do that because I want to serve and protect. That's the, what the job is, right? So I might go into fight, but how do I handle that? Right. Do I handle it because of power or do I handle it to 
mitigate harm. And those are two different things. And then the last one is the pause. Can I pause and really assess what's happening here, enter this space and see the humanity in this situation and in in, in the people that are being involved? And those are some challenging things because power does show up. But Bart, how you describe those three scenarios, that's you having that hat on who, who, who's passionate about inclusion, diversity and equity access, as well as have a keen interest for, uh, you know, humanity and belonging. But for the ordinary citizens who get into uh, to the law enforcement, they're ordinary. I mean, they would not have all of those switches on. Um, and, and how do you train the law enforcement? I mean, I, I suppose we're digressing now. We're going to just focusing on law enforcement. But if we go back to what you were saying is that there is there is – from your perspective, what's happening now with George Floyd, you're saying is that you feel for the first time that there is a conversation that's about to shift the whole race relation in the United States? Is that what you're saying? It, 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 so, it, I, yes, right? So because because of, because of the emails or a phone call that I'll get that, that, that corporations... Uh, and then faith-based organizations, and then just people I know want to talk, right? Man, you know, I I don't even know what's happening here. What's happening? I want to talk about it, right? Now, they don't, some folks don't understand the language. And so, you know, you may want to consider using like the nonviolent, you know, there's, there's a lot of work around nonviolent communication where you talk about, you know, what you're observing, um, uh, how that makes you feel, and, and, and there are a couple other steps. And but the bottom line is, you get to request, and you appreciate each other's perspective and have real dialogue, right? And then in, in that dialogue, often you need to be able to handle some real difficult conversations with her. And I, I like to break them up into three things: the actual subject, that's number one; number two, the feelings about that subject; and then the third thing is the way my identity shows up around that topic, right? So, so let's think of, let's think about, uh, I don't know, something about kids, right? Um, whether or not you, uh, you believe in timeouts, putting your kids on timeout, right? So all it is, kid acts up, you're going to go sit and, and, and be in timeout quietly, okay? For some people, the subject is timeout. How I feel about that thing I may have grown up in a household that we never did timeouts. You went outside and played or you did something else to just relax. Now, so I may say, man, that's pretty messed up. I, I feel that. That feels like harming the child. Someone else, they grew up, they did that. So it's not a big deal. And then our identities, right, based on who you are and your background, your family, your culture may not believe in timeouts. Someone else's could. The issue is a timeout. Right. The subject, the feeling and your identity show up. And, and I think that those are the type of conversations that are about to happen. And we hope that there are enough people in that space to do that well. I don't know. You said at the beginning that there is going to be a journey, a transition from the COVID-19 discussion to this race relation. Do you want to tell, explain how you're going to connect those two topics together? <laughs> 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 from disparity so, so, to race relations, so, but I suppose there is yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, there's so much here, uh, and uh, there's a there's a doctor. His name is uh, Zachary Green, and he has a little model that talks about 
post pandemic, now that the pandemic is happening or pre pandemic, now that the pandemic is happening in post. Oh, and he talks about the, the pre is, ah, oh, it's not here. I don't believe it. That kind of thing. He hasn't, he, he uses better words than I do, uh, but it's really not happening. And then when it's happening, there's this chaos that shows up, right? Oh my goodness, what is going on? And then the post, hopefully you get to more innovation. What can we do so that that pandemic doesn't happen again? Solutions. Okay? Right. And so for me, in my the way my brain processes that situation and the way disparities, disparities are showing up, is the same reason why you're having the reaction around uh, the death of George uh, Floyd. Because there are a number of people, and I should have had the stats in front of us, but there are a number of people, if you look at the percentage of people in a particular community or population, and then the percentage of people who are incarcerated, the numbers are staggeringly different. African-Americans. Right? Yeah, African-Americans, Hispanic and Latinx. Yeah. It's, it's drastically different than the, than the larger population. So this, this thing that's showing up in COVID is not isolated to COVID. It, it shows up in how communities are policed, yep. right? Um, there are a number of situations that, that, that just show up that you're like, hmm, it, it didn't occur that way in an X community, but in B community, it does. Why is that? Um, the whole thing around that you're supposed to wear uh, a mask in public right now, right? Yeah. And so you can't have more than 10 people. Now they're moving that number up to 25 people in a, in, a, in a gathering. But the way that is handled in different communities is different, mm. right? Now, now they're starting to be more mindful about, wait a minute, why, why did we do that? Man, they weren't really doing anything. And so, so law enforcement are starting to realize this thing. Now, the question is, how do you get people to change those habits and behaviors about how we react to difference, right? Because most of us, for difference, we go into, I need to protect myself, yeah. right? They don't, we don't they, don't, they don't embrace difference. It's very hard to right. embrace difference. <laughs> right, right. I mean, so, so it, it, I wish I had the report, but I, I, so I, I, you know, I, I love Australia too. So I was talking to someone uh, or communicating with someone and she was talking about um, uh, something around healthcare. And I guess two years ago, there was $30 million that was supposed to go to ab ab Aboriginal communities and they represent 10% of the population. People are up in arms around that, but actually the 30 million never made it. Yeah. Right. What ended up going was like 3 million or something like something like that. But, but just think about the visceral reaction in people around $30 million, right? Why is that? Why do you have that kind of reaction? It's that difference that's showing up for people. And, and, and the difference is othering, you know, we'll treat them that way. And so we're bystanding to what's happening. And this is what I, this is the thing that I would I would like to say. What it what it feels like is people are moving from bystanding to upstanding, okay. right? I'm tired of bystanding and watching and acting like it's not happening. Oh, this is really in my face right now. Look at the numbers of COVID. Look at what's happening. Look at the protests. I need to upstand and do something different. 
That's what it feels like is about to happen here in the States. And I hope that it does. And are they, I mean, obviously uh, the deaths in the now, obviously with George Floyd, the attention is kind of taken away from, uh, I believe Americans were blaming China for COVID-19 as well. Has the anger shifted away from China, uh, you know, now to kind of focus more locally about the whole race relation, do you think? Oh, wow. So, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, initially so, it was blamed the Chinese, isn't it? Was, wasn't that Trump's, wasn't that Trump's card? It's blamed the Chinese. So, so what I would say is, and I'm glad you're sharing that with me from, from, from a perspective of somebody who doesn't live in the States. That's what you're hearing from the White House. Right. Okay. I, I believe that the majority of folks don't believe that. Okay. It started based on what we understand. It started in China, right? And so started reflect, re- restricting flights from China. But our cases started from people traveling from uh, London, right? right? And so it wasn't wasn't China. It was people who had maybe been in China or whatever. I don't really know, but they came from London, and and whether whether they were on vacation or whatever they were, whatever was going on, just like. Italy. Italy happened to really have significant numbers of cases because of whatever. And I have no idea how it got there. Right. So the truth of the matter is. So in the States, in the States, it's about the people arriving or coming from London that's causing that's spreading COVID-19 within the States. That's that. Well, those were the initial cases. Right. And then we also had some of the uh, cruise ships and all that other kind of stuff that, that was happening too. that. I don't even think people knew to track that at, at, at first. And then they realized, wait a minute, you know, and then they had just had them floating around in the sea. But a number of our first cases came from people traveling from London. It wasn't China. So you may hear from the White House someone yeah. saying, talking about China. Someone, it's Trump. It's President Trump. <laughs> he says, blame the Chinese. So it's not somebody, it's the President of the United States. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So, so I'll, I'll use that. I'll use, the, I'll use the title. The President is saying that. Um, but I, I, I do not believe that the majority of the population are aligned with those think, that thinking. Oh, that's interesting. That's just me. That's, that's interesting. You know, like because over here, over here, the states. So every in the daily day to day conversations that you hear from ordinary people, uh, you know, it's the Chinese. Look, even the United States said it's the Chinese. So it's, and it's interesting then listening to you in the United States saying, no, that's not what this, the discussion is. It's about you know the few that in the initial cases came from London, and it's, then of course it got spread. And I think there's a state in the uh, in the United States. I can't remember remember the name of that state, whereby they said they had coronavirus there, and there has nobody travelling in or out apparently, as well. Right, right. I can't remember right. the name now, of the state. Now, now again, when did they start tracking that? Right. So they said nobody's been in or out. I, they could have been, I don't know where, where it is, but they could have been in New York and then from New York, they brought it back home. But so, and let me say this, it depends on what communities you're in, right? So again, I spend enough time in healthcare. And so they're talking about that stuff. They track the data and they're like, wait a minute. No, um, we can, we need to find out. They, they do some, 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 some analysis of where this person has been. And there is no connection to someone from China, right? It's somebody else, some family member that was on vacation someplace. So, so the data doesn't support that. Now, the rhetoric 
could there are some people that believe that right because even it, there were some reports or some cases at some point in time where I, I was on a on a on a podcast just as a listener um and it, and it was put on by people i would say that come from apac but they're they're americans right and they were talking about i think they called it uh i'm gonna get it wrong anti anti anti-asian racism and so that was the discussion anti and it's not it, I, I don't like the title because it sounds like we're going to talk about how we don't like asians yeah. that's not what it was yes yes but I, the, the, right yeah, the, I remember group was talk, the group was talking about their experiences here in the states yeah and so there were there were cases and things where people would be on a subway or people would be in public transportation being treated don't stand by me don't do this right and all that kind of stuff there were we did have some of that yeah, now, same, same here in the, same here in Australia, where, whereby, uh, you know, if you look Asian, um, they will just, especially the. I mean, I have not experienced that, but there has been uh, there have been stories, uh, reports where young people have been abused as a result of them being uh, Asian looking. Just and they right. say you're, you're Chinese, so you you brought the disease here, and so there there is that movement here. It's um. You know, it's about standing up uh, for against, you know, anti-racism against um, uh, Chinese or, or Asians. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's that movement happening here. Yeah. And so people did experience that. But I would again, I would say far and large people, if you did your your, your homework, you, you know, that's not the case. Right. I get it. The president out of the White House is saying that that's what you hear abroad. But I would say most people definitely, definitely folks that are in healthcare don't say that. Um, and I would say, you know, most people who really are following what's really happening don't fall into a line with that. Because or at least in my, let me, let me be more specific. My, my circle of friends and network don't believe that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I was just going to ask, you know, your father, you know, um, passed away as a result of COVID-19. Was there a moment when you kind of said, you know, <laughs> Bloody Chinese! They brought this this disease here to our country. <laughs> yeah, no. So, ooh, yeah, that that I, I, I would have had some issues with my own self if I had said that. No, 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 no. So, so, so again, um, did 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 it occur? Like, what did what went through your mind? Um, you know, when when your father passed away, like, uh, did you think, well, he could have lived another ten years if it wasn't for this disease? Uh, uh, or did you think about it's the access to healthcare or who that person brought? Like, was, was there a blame? I suppose did you looked for a blame? Mm. Hmm. Great question. So I would say I, I did not. So this. So to answer that, there's there's layers to that answer. <laughs> I I I did not go into blame. And so I'm going to talk about two different things. So one, just the experience of him uh, becoming positive and knowing or or what was relayed to us was the first person who had it was the activities director. And so the activities director is, is just another person who uh, she's living her life and she's going to work and trying to care for elderly people. Okay. Now, if I if I wanted to entertain blame, you know, I would want to say, OK, from from that first person that tested positive, when did you start to really institute masks? We couldn't visit. They had already locked us, the facility down so you couldn't come and see your your family member. So they were doing that. But what else did they institute? Right. 
to to prevent the spread? Did they do temperature checks? Did they do uh, did they test the, the the staff? Just everybody, because there are some other some other facilities like that that have one or no cases. Um, and there's one that was in the news, and I'll send you the link for you to check out. But Diane Sawyer did a report, and in her report, there's a there's I don't even know what the place was. There was a case where all of the staff said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna live here. And so they moved into the facility. They didn't leave. I don't know how long they were there, maybe 30 days or something like that. And they have zero cases of COVID-19, right? Because they weren't in and out and traveling all over the place. So if I were to, and I don't even like the word blame, if I wanted to find out the contributing factors to my father's death, I would ask those kind of questions. Now, on a broader scale, I might look and say, what do we do as a nation to prevent the spread, the the spread of this thing? Yeah, did the so, do you think do you think the United States performed well in handling the whole COVID nineteen virus? I, you know, I, I think that I think there was too much conflict between those that were trying to make decisions to do that well. Right. So 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 there's a, there's an area, whether it's business or anything else, where you want to have innovation, where conflict and tension is good when everybody wants to listen. But for some reason, I believe that that conflict and tension was unhealthy. Um, from the decision makers. So even again, if I look at the contributing factors for the nursing facility uh, related to my dad, um, they couldn't get clear direction from from the White House or from wherever, right? Oh no, do this, no, do that, right? Or it's going to blow over, and then then something else is said, right? And so th there are a laundry list of contributing factors that led to that. Do I believe that he would have lived a, a little bit longer without COVID nineteen? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, right? Uh, would it have been two years a year? I don't know, but it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have not have been. Uh, May 4th. And so the other part of that, and the reason why I kind of paused, uh, so just being candid, obviously I was struggling with, with the loss, okay? And I texted a friend of mine and, and he responded with something. And he said, he said, actually we got on the phone first and then he responded with a text. Between the phone call and the text, he said, hey Bart, yeah, and we're new friends. We kind of met each other recently different identities, white male. He's a VP at a, at a large organization. And he said, uh, I don't know if you consider me a friend, but I consider you. And I said, yeah, I do too. And I don't know why I text you, but clearly I should consider you a friend. And he shared with me that um, at some point in time, his father passed and he struggled with it. And a shaman told him, don't run from the pain. Mm. Right. And so for me, because of that and, and me and for, and there's some other stuff, not running from the pain and the grief. I, I'm honoring the 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 bond that I have had with my dad and have now. So I'm not in that that space of blame and you know guilt and who owns that. I, I'm not there because I can't fix that, right? Um, so that's the, that was the other part where I said, "Ooh, that's an interesting question." So I, I moved to a place where I'm really focused on gratitude between the bond between my father and I. That's lovely. Maybe maybe that's where I should end it. <laughs> oh, it's um. Did did you did you obviously it it was isolation 
time when your father mm-hmm. passed away, were you able to attend the funeral? Like, what did you guys do? No, you know, so could not, uh, no. One, uh, you couldn't even go to identify his body. You couldn't visit uh, in, in no service. Um, so, oh, gosh. so, so you never, yeah. there was no funeral. You couldn't attend. No. So basically, uh, the funeral home posted a, you know, a page with some information and you, you know, people could write, um, notes and condolences and all that on the page. So, yeah. yeah. Um, where to from here with the world for you? What do you think? How, how do you think, um, what's going to come out of COVID? 19 for um the world and obviously with the situation with uh, george floyd as well obviously mm-hmm. americans are facing a, a, a real interesting challenging moment in in its uh history yeah so i would say this um you've heard me say a couple times that that uh, I'm either getting a text from someone, uh, a phone call, or an email. And some of these organiza- organizations are large institutions where a VP is saying, you know what, we want to talk about how these cases are f- affecting our employees. People want to talk. And so I think there's going to be a moment in time to shift it, Right. So imagine, imagine. So when I was down there, I think I don't know if it was right around the same time. Imagine what's if sorry. So tell you, I'm gonna answer your question. I'm gonna finish answering. Tell me what sorry day, or tell everybody, you know, folks that my my colleagues that may be here in, in the states, what is sorry day in in Australia? Uh, sorry day is the day that um, Australians are kind of asked to pause to uh, obviously acknowledge the loss of lives uh or not loss of life but but to the indigenous community in australia is sorry day we say sorry to them about what happened right right so imagine if you got to the point well i and i don't want to i'm making some assumptions but imagine you got to the point where aboriginal people really felt that right that that not just with the words, but the day-to-day actions, they felt it, right? And you and you had a moment, you had a you had a window, like, man, we're getting ready to do this. I can feel it. We can go in there and have a great conversation. Uh, we're going to appreciate each other's humanity, and and tomorrow is going to be different. We're going to start on a path of real difference. It feels like we're at that. We're going to have a window, a window and an opportunity, whether it's sorry day in Australia whether it's truth and reconciliation in South Africa, whatever that is, that moment is coming here. And, and, but the thing is, are people really ready for that? Mm. Because in in some ways it means owning up to the truth. Yeah. And that truth could be, I didn't necessarily do it, but my grandfather, my grandparents, somebody in my lineage did this thing. And 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 that's a truth that that for some of us is hard to admit to and own. It shows up in our simple relationships, you know, between husband and wife or or partners. For someone to say, "I'm sorry about something I did," they struggle with that. 
let alone talk about slavery and how we how somebody may treat somebody differently or see them differently. Mm. You're asking for you're asking. I expect people to do it, but for some people that that's a difficult thing to do. Mm. But I think we have a window. I think we have a window. Um, I've just been given the the the, the date, uh, the twenty um, twenty sixth of May since nineteen ninety eight. There's been a National Sorry Day or the National Day of Healing. It's an annual e- event that that has been held in Australia since nineteen eighty six. Uh, sorry, nineteen ninety eight. Um, what's your words of wisdom to our audience in terms of uh, advice you can give them? How they can? What did you say before? Standing up, upstanding, upstander, so upstander. upstanders. How to be upstanders? Like, what are some of the words of wisdom you can impart on us to be upstanders? Yeah. So, so I would say this: it actually starts with yourself. So, I had I, I'd asked. I was on a, and, I, and I'm gonna borrow some stuff, and and I'll and I'll kind of wrap it back around. I was on a webinar with. Um, someone from the First Nation, uh, Lakota tribe, an elder. And I had, I had asked a question about, you know, this was during the pandemic. So people are experiencing the pandemic and some people are now home by themselves and struggling with this thing. Because now I'm home, I'm with myself, I'm present with myself. Whew, I don't like all this, this stuff. I said, how do you think people should handle that? And what he said was, he says, let me tell you uh, uh, the story about Iki Tome. And I said, okay. And it's real short, real quick. He says, he, he was somebody who was kind of mischievous. And, you know, one day he's walking and he, and he goes to this pond and he's, you know, how a pond is nice and clear. It's nice, like almost like a mirror. With ducks. He looks at the with pond. ducks. With ducks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's nice and clear, like glass. It's just smooth. And he looks in the mirror and looks in the pond. He sees his reflection. He's like, oh huh, I like the way I look. And he leaves. Comes back another day and it's windy out. So the water is kind of wavy and moving all around. And he looks at it and he's like, oh man, I really can't make that out. And he walks away kind of a little, little bothered and upset. Comes back another day and it's raining. Like water is splashing all over the place. It's raining. He looks in there. He can't make, make out his image. Picks up a rock and throws the rock in the water. And he's and the guy tells the story, he says, on the side, there's this fox sitting on the side. And the fox is laughing at him. He said, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. He says, you're upset. And the only thing that's really changing is exterior to who you are. So I say all of that to say this. The upstander. I hope that they are aware of the different circumstances that are changing around them and don't isolate and and, and start to lose their own identity, but own your story, your truth, your identity, but have enough compassion for some other human being. And and compassion is, is packaged into four different things, right? Recognizing somebody's perspective, suspending your judgment, communicate your recognition of that that thing and and just really being present with that person and we think that that's easy but it's not because the the second one suspending your judgment is difficult (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) (laughs) we judge constantly (laughs) (laughs) right but we're going to have an opportunity to do that but people to upstand you got to do your own work and know who you are acknowledge who you are 
cut yourself some slack and be willing to step into that uncomfortable and difficult space. So I would say it, to be an upstander, really do your own work and be willing to step in difficult and uncomfortable spaces. So the difference is you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. those words of wisdom and, and really uh, an inspirational uh, conversation with you today, Bart. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you. Thank you, uh, Dawncast. That was Bart Bailey joining uh, me from Pennsylvania in the United <laughs> States uh, and sharing with us the COVID-19 and the race relation that's happening in the United States at the moment. Thank you for watching Dawncast. And if you like more content like this, please make sure that you subscribe, click on the bell at the end of this broadcast and um, press like and share comments. And if you've got a story that you want to share with us, Send us a, send us some comments and send us some suggestions and we'll hope you know would like to share the stories to our audience. So thank you. See you bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Okay.